immature people are going to get turned off by emotional availability. They're just going to be totally turned off by emotional availability. You know, it's like those girls are going to be like, maybe they date the guys that treat them like crap, all of that. Same with the guy. They want the girl that's playing games with them and playing hard to get because the girl who's actually really there and present for them and wants to be in a relationship, they're not ready for. So that's one thing. So that's immaturity. But there is another thing, which is that there's the guy who's all in But then there's also the guy that seems ungrounded. And I'm not saying that's you at all. I'm saying a mature woman wants a man who is consistent with her, makes her feel important, pursued, and safe and consistent. That is what a mature woman wants, not a girl, a woman. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks. Come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo with the Rucker Paw. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in the basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Welcome to the show, everyone. Matt Labrie here, your host of the Decoding Success Podcast. You're rocking with us on episode number 234 here of this podcasting journey. Now, with that being said, this episode specifically is for those out there in our community and beyond that have an insatiable curiosity about what makes a relationship thrive. Now, you may be in a relationship as you're listening to this, and you can use this episode as a checklist or a checkbox. And listen, there's no cookie cutter way to thrive in a relationship, right? There's a lot of factors, a lot of variables, but this is a baseline. This is without a doubt a foundation. So if you're in that relationship and you feel like your relationship is thriving, you can use this as a checklist or, you know, some sort of checkbox to say, all right, this is working. This is working. This is working. This needs to be worked on. Or maybe you're on the flip side of that spectrum. You're in a relationship and you don't feel like things are thriving. This episode is also for you. And hey, maybe you're in a totally different boat and that's okay because we've all been there, including myself, and you might not be in a relationship. Maybe you just got out of one. Maybe you're still trying to get over something and that is all okay. Each and every one of you that's tuned into this, if you have that insatiable curiosity about what makes a relationship thrive, this episode is for you. And to do so, we are bringing to you our friend, someone that is consistently, constantly going viral. Her posts are being reshared literally everywhere. I'm not even kidding. I see her post everywhere. Our friend Jillian Tarecki, a certified relationship coach, teacher, and writer who for 20 years has taught others how to transform their relationships with themselves. Now, Jillian is certified by the Robbins Medane Center for Strategic Intervention, a renowned coaching program known for its innovative strategic solutions to the most difficult relationship problems. Now, she had an insatiable curiosity about what makes a relationship thrive. And through her work, she's been able to help thousands upon thousands of people through teaching and writing revolutionize their relationship with themselves so that they transform their relationship with others. Jillian is sought out for her compassionate, direct, and very authentic style of coaching and teaching. She is bringing all of that right here to the Decoding Success podcast. It is such a blessing to be able to amplify this to each and every one of you that's tuned into this right now. And you want to know what? It will be a blessing to amplify this message as well to the people that are in your life. So I'm going to urge you to make sure you are sharing this 
When this episode clicks, when the light bulb goes off, I guarantee you it will. When that light bulb goes off, make sure that you're sharing it in your group text, in your email messages, in your Instagram stories, literally everywhere and anywhere. You could have an impact on someone in your life through these words. So without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Jillian Tarecki. Jillian, welcome to Decoding Success. Your work, especially on social and beyond, is absolutely incredible. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Now, obviously, we're going to dive into the relationship space in just a little bit, but I'm so curious to learn because I haven't learned this yet. What has compelled you professionally to enter the realm in which you have? Was it something personal that has happened in your life or something else? Yeah, it really all started. It was definitely very personal. I mean, I taught yoga for almost 20 years. I'm a born and raised Manhattanite and taught yoga in New York City. And I loved it. I would say about 10 years ago was when I was starting to feel like I wanted something more, but I had no idea what that was. I just, I just had a feeling that I was meant to help on a bigger scale, but I just, I really just didn't, I had no idea. And I ended up meeting the man who was going to become my husband and I got married and that marriage only lasted two years and was in many ways, just a catastrophe. And it was extremely, extremely painful. And it just, we were like two people who did not have the tools like at Mm. all, but you know, like many people, I entered that relationship feeling like I had done a lot of work on myself and you know, that I was mature and I was very determined to never, never get divorced. You know, I had all these beliefs and these preconceived notions about relationship and all these attachments to how a relationship should or should not be. And it, there was a, there was a lot of variables as to why it broke down, but it was extremely painful. And when it was really reaching the end of the relationship, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. And so I, I went through her death and a divorce pretty much at the same time, which, you know, I mean, death and divorce and moving are sort of like the three things that stress us out the most and and any and money problems. So I had like two of the most profound human experiences that a person can go through happen at the same time. And so I had, you know, the, the definite dark night of the soul. And it was horrible. I mean, it was the thing that led me to where I am today. I don't look back and say, okay, it was horrible, but at the time it was horrible. It was, I didn't, I was desperate. And I made this decision, which I think was somewhat unconscious at the time, but I made a very key decision, which was, I'm going to figure out what the hell just happened. Like why on earth, number one, why on earth is this happening to me? You know, like, why is this all happening at the same time? This is just seems too, too much. And why, why did my marriage not work? Why did this relationship fail? Because that was in many ways at the time more traumatic to me than my mom dying. Now, long-term, my mom dying was more of a trauma, but in the moment I was like, how can this be happening? And then me not be married, you know, and have my strong relationship at the same time. So I went on, I already had a a tremendous wealth of knowledge uh, about the relationship between the mind and the body and our physiology and our psychology. That was always something that just through teaching yoga and that, that has been sort of my obsession. And I've always been obsessed with relationships and with love and all of that. I've never been obsessed with it to the point where it led me down a professional road, but it was always something that really fascinated me. And I made it, I was determined to figure it out. 
and became a coach merely because as I put myself through this process of trying to heal and recover from the, this very painful events, I said, I have to figure out how to teach this. I'm the guinea pig. Here I am. I'm the guinea pig. And now I'm going to teach it. And then it's been my mission for eight years. I love and so this. that's sort of the medium. I mean, there's a lot, obviously more nuance to it, but that's generally what, what led me down this road. I love this. So let's go off of this. So many questions. I actually want to go off of what you said. You kind of almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to use the word pressure for a lack of a better term here, but it almost seemed like you put a pressure on yourself going into marriage saying, I'll never be divorced or I'll never get divorced. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm uh-huh. just curious because, and I'm also saying that because you said that you felt like the divorce weighed on you more than your mother's passing at the time, short term. But do you think people should not go into relationships with, you know, predetermined quote unquote things in mind, such as I'm never going to get divorced. I need to have four children. I need to live in XYZ area as opposed to just surrendering to what could potentially happen. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll address that because I feel like there's two questions there. The first one is I, so yes, the pressure of never getting divorced was there, but really what I wanted was just not to go through the pain of a breakup. I wanted I wanted a relationship. I wanted that relationship. I wanted that marriage to work. And I never wanted to be like I never thought of myself as, you know, that having this identity of like, okay, I'm divorced, you know, and that too. What I would say is I really want people to get into relationships. And if they decide to get married, to enter a marriage with their commitment to the relationship, not to whatever society says you have to do. Mm -hmm. So your commitment has to be to the relationship, not just because you're married, but because that's what you want. And if you are going to get married, well, then figure out, do that, not because you're expected to get married, do that because you believe that by getting married, that that is not just someone committing to you, but you're really committing. And what, and then I think it brings up a larger question of like what it means to really commit to someone. And I think that when you really, really commit to someone, you are really also very much committing to yourself because when you are in a relationship with someone, it doesn't matter how mature you are. It doesn't matter how much work you've done. It matters a little bit, I'm not going to lie, but you are always going to be confronted with yourself inside of a relationship. Your greatest fears are always going to be triggered inside of a relationship. All your childhood drama is going to be triggered inside of a relationship. Now, the idea is to be in the kind of relationship where you're not being triggered left and right. If you're being triggered, you're triggering each other left and right, then you may not be in a good relationship. But even if you're with the quote unquote right person, even if you're in a really good relationship, you're going to be triggered. So Enter a marriage committing to doing the work that it takes to sustain the marriage rather than, you know, put the pressure on yourself that you you have to get married because that's what society says. You got to have the four children. Like, don't do that to yourself. Figure out what you want, what you are willing to commit to and do it. Right. Now, out of total curiosity, kind of playing devil's advocate here a little bit, I've seen from my experience, and I'm not a relationship coach, but I do have plenty of friends. I I have my own relationships that relationships could be super triggering 
And also the complete opposite where they could be, you know, almost a comfort zone where you're not pushed to grow at all. Those kind of seem unhealthy. Do you agree with that? I hesitate to slap on the label unhealthy so freely. Okay. Because I think that what the mistake that people are too commonly make to are making too commonly recently is they are, oh, that relationship's toxic or that relationship is unhealthy. It's like, okay, well, first of all, if you're going through a rough patch, like don't call a relationship toxic unless it's truly toxic. You know, like there's just some pop psychology buzzwords that are being thrown around, I think, way too freely. So if you're in a relationship and you don't feel, and it's really, really comfortable and you don't feel like you're growing, I don't believe that the route a person should take is, well, the relationship is unhealthy. I think first you say, why am I so uncomfortable? Why am I so comfortable in this relationship? What have we done? Both two people, we're human beings. And as human beings, we gravitate towards the comfort zone. We have to push ourselves to go outside of our comfort zone. It's not natural. So it's more natural in a relationship. It's going to be really, really comfortable and become stagnant. So instead of saying this is unhealthy, say, okay, how can we transform our relationship? We're too comfortable right now. And that's a relationship that if you can't, some people outgrow the relationship. I'm growing. They're not growing. I want to be pushed. They don't want to be pushed. So it might be a relationship that no longer works. I just wouldn't necessarily call it unhealthy. I I hope if that clarifies things. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it kind of drives me to my next question because your elaboration there leads me to ask like, how or what are the signs to understand someone as, you know, a potential future partner, whether you're in a relationship, want to, you know, take the next step, fiance, what are the signs that they're willing to do the work and maybe not the blatant signs, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So are you asking like, if someone is trying to figure out if someone's the right partner for them, what are the signs that they? Yeah. That they're willing to actually do the work. I mean, listen, and you know, this probably better than anyone, like, it's not a one-sided thing. Of course, you're, yeah. you're two individuals, but you're also coming together as one in a sense as well. Yes. So I think some really good, some good signs are how willing are you to communicate when things get rough? How willing are you, this is sort of in the same vein, how willing are you to have the difficult conversations? How accountable are you willing to be? In other words, owning your stuff, apologizing where it's necessary saying, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. I totally projected all my stuff onto you. Or like, I totally dumped all my stress on you. I'm so sorry. You know, and then maybe that person, you know, maybe that includes that person going to therapy or hiring a coach or doing whatever it takes to show up better in the relationship if they've noticed that they're not showing up as well. So those are all signs that someone is really committed to doing the work. Now, what's your advice for someone that maybe in a relationship today and their partner isn't willing to do any of that yet, they still find themselves trying to potentially change that person. Yeah. So there's a few things. So if you're in a long-term committed relationship and you're going through a rough patch and you're someone who's like, okay, we need to work on this. We need to work on ourselves. I'm willing to do all this work. I've hired a therapist or I've hired a coach or I've I've gotten my ass back to the gym, you know, because I've been letting myself go because 
That's an important thing too. You know, I'm doing this work or whatever it is. I'm focusing on on my career in this way so that I can bring more income into the family. And the other person is not willing to do anything or they are in the throes of alcohol or drug addiction and they're really throwing their lives away and they're really their actions and their behavior and their habits are negatively impacting the relationship and they're not willing to do anything about it. I that's when an ultimatum is in order. And that's when you say, you better get it together or I'm out. And I think that there are times where you have to say that, but you have to remember you're doing that because you believe you want the relationship to work. You're protect. It's in the name of protecting the relationship. It's like, I love you. Our relationship really matters to me, but this, you're destroying the relationship. I'm willing to do what it takes. If you're not, that's not going to work. So either you figure out a way to get yourself out of this hole and I will help you or we're not together anymore. And there are times where you have to do that. So that's one example. Another example though is, you know, maybe the relationship is fine, but you know, like a lot of women will do like this personal development stuff. And then they'll try to get like their boyfriend, for example, to be like, come on, read this book, do this with me. No, stop right away. You can't do that. What you can do instead is say, well, you can lead by example and be like, this is, I'm doing this great stuff. Do you want to, you know, take a look? Or if things have gotten really, really, like I said, intense, you can say, look, whatever you need to do, whatever your path is to get healthier is your path and I'm behind it, but you got to do something. I love this. It leads me to ask a question about a quote that I literally just heard less than 30 minutes ago. I'm taking a three-day workshop virtually. And mm. the quote was, I wrote it down because I was like, wow, that like really, really fits this interview. The best way to show love to your partner is to show love to yourself. Do you agree with that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I actually wrote something on Instagram that was like one of the most loving things that you can do for your partner is to, is to take care of your physical and emotional health, basically. So yes, I think that... so. The mistake that people make is they do all this great personal development. They go to the gym, they go live their lives or having fun. They make sure that they have time with their friends or they do that course or they read that book so that they can be ready for a relationship. And then as soon as they get to the relationship, and this kind of brings our conversation full circle, what happens? Well, that's the law of familiarity. You get really comfortable. All of a sudden you stop going to the gym or you stop, you stop doing all those things, or you're just like, oh, you're really safe. So I'm stressed out. So I can just be an ass to you. We start to do that. So we don't want to do that. <laughs> we want to, once we're in the relationship to actually do the things that we did to, to pre prepare for the relationship, we want to get that to an even reach a higher level so that we can continue to bring as much as possible, our A game to our partner. Of course, we're going to bring our stress to our partner. Of course, we're, you know, life as fast as life goes, it's also really long. So if you're living with someone, of course, you're going to dump each other's, your stress on each other, but you got to keep a cap on it. Like you really have to be on top of it. So yeah, I do support that statement. Now, why do we get like that? It's like almost like we need to recalibrate our goals after we achieve it. Right. And I, yeah. I don't want to refer to a relationship as a goal. Maybe it is. Some people it is. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Yeah. But it's just like once we get and I, I've been there 100 percent. I've been there where it's like, all right, cool. I got it. I got comfortable or I mean, hey, totally different topic, but maybe I've lost interest after I got it as well. So I'm curious, why do we do that? Well, because 
it's not about the goal. It's about who we become on our way to getting the, what we want, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, if you, so, so that's one thing. That's just a general comment about goals. It's like, of course, we reach a goal and then we're like, next, you know, because we think that our happiness lies within that goal and it doesn't. It's who we become and how we have to adjust and how we have to grow in order to reach that goal. But happiness doesn't happen in that goal. It happens within. So that's that's one thing. And a lot of people, they get the relationship and they think the relationship is going to make them happy. And a relationship can, and I would argue should, add tremendous value to your life. But if you're not happy, the relationship is not actually going to be what makes you happy. Relationships are labor intensive. You can't just sit around and have the relationship just flourish on its own. You've got to feed it. You've got to feed yourself and you've got to feed it. And by the way, you have to feed your partner. So you've got, and it's very rewarding, but you can't just sit back and relax and think, well, you know, I have the relationship that's going to make me happy. So I think a lot of people think I'm going to get the girl, I'm going to get the guy, I'm going to get the relationship and be happy. And then they're there and they're just like, well, this doesn't necessarily make me happy. I'm bored On to the next. Now, what does a relationship need to be fed? Time, effort, spontaneity? All of it. Communication needs to be fed. Communication attention, attention to detail, spontaneity, fun, support, all of it. Right. Now, one thing that I think about often is how, and this is obviously going to be an individualistic, you know, per relationship basis type of question, but how much work on yourself do you need to do before a relationship to have one that flourishes? You know, like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really individualist. It's very, it's very individual because, you know, so number one, you don't have to love be in love with yourself in order to be in a relationship. I know lots of people who struggle with their self-worth and they get into a relationship and it's a really beautiful relationship and they learn to love themselves more through the relationship. But if you don't respect yourself and you hate yourself and you really don't believe you deserve love you're going to sabotage your relationship. So that's one thing that I just want to kind of throw out there. If you've had a series of unhealthy, quote unquote, toxic relationships, if you are constantly choosing people who abuse you emotionally and or physically, if you have a history of drug use and alcohol abuse, and that's not, and you're not sober, or you have a history of having short, meaningless relationships when in your heart, all you want is a real relationship. You may have to do a lot of work on yourself. Or if you, if you're constantly a doormat, or if you're constant, you just may have to do a lot of work on yourself, but then there are other people who don't, Right. (laughs) they really don't. They have to, you know, do a little work on themselves. They have to be self-reflective, but really, so it's so dependent. It really is. But what I will say is For every relationship that doesn't work out in your favor, right? It doesn't work out. You've got some work to do because if you're just going to say, oh, it's all them, (laughs) you know, like so many people like to say, you know, there'll be people say like, oh, all women are like this or all men are that. It's like really all of them. So you're not the problem at all. If you, you know, I mean, at some point you have to say if constantly things are not working, what like the problem must be me. Right. This is so interesting. The question that comes to mind just based off of what we're talking about now is 
do you feel that we need to have relationships that don't work out for us in our life before we have the one? There are so many different scenarios. And I know people who are still married to their high school sweetheart. Now, I think that that's very, I think that was much more common many decades ago than it is now. I don't like to say, I'm not really a rules girl. Like it has to be this way, you know, everyone is different. I think that, I think that it's very common to have the experience of relationships failing so that you know what you want and know what you don't want. I think that I know of a story of these people, they were high school sweethearts, then they broke up, then they found each other again in college and they broke up and then they found each other again afterwards. It's like, so yeah, they had to kind of explore other relationships and other people then to come together. So there's so many different scenarios. But what I will say is whenever one does have a relationship that doesn't work, learn the lesson. Yeah, There's so much value in it not working. Figure out why it didn't work and let that lead you in a better on a better path. What's your advice for people that are listening to this that may have people in their ear about what relationships were like years ago versus now, right? Because we do see that, you know, people that are getting married are a little bit older. People that are having children are a little bit older versus yeah. when, you know, maybe our parents and, you know, honestly, a lot of parents are in their children's ears regardless of their age, just feeding them like, Hey, like you, you need to be married or all yeah, of that. Yeah. yeah. So the question is to kind, and I don't want to say box out the, the noise around you, but sh- being able to shift your mindset to understand that we're living in a different world yeah. when it comes to dating and relationships. So um, how, how should people deal with that? Is that your yeah, question? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is such a, it's such an interesting conversation because I think that there are pros and cons to how things are today, you know? Well, number one, as a species, we're living longer, right? And because we're living longer, women are actually, you're seeing our fertility being able to last longer. There's also technology that's making it so that women can have babies in their 40s, even some in their 50s. It's not that common, but it's happening. I mean, that just would never, you know, because there's surrogacies and freezing of eggs and all of that. So that's one thing. I think that we also, in terms of like traditional marriage, you know, women are working now and are a powerful force in the workforce in a way that we never were before. So that's making, that's creating also conundrum for women who want to have a family, but also really want to make it in career. So there's, it's not binary. It's, it's like, yes, we live in a different time, but it's complicated. It's still complicated. So I would just say, you know, and this, it's just, it's more complicated for women, you know, cause it's like, if you want to have a child, you want to have a family, or do you want to like be out in the workforce? And I think that, I think everyone needs to ask themselves, like, what's really important to them? Is the relationship really important to them? Is a family really important to them? Is work, you know, what is that sort of going to look like? What can I afford? What can I not afford? As far as family members are concerned, you know, I think everyone has to do, you can't blame parents for wanting their children to be part of a family unit because studies have shown that if you're in the, you know, in a family and you start a family and it's, and it's a good one that you, that you live longer. I mean, there are studies that saying, you know, because loneliness is a real thing. So you can't blame parents for wanting that, but you know, you just have to say, you have to live your life the way you want to live it. You have to live your life the way that you want to live it. 
Do you think that the pressure, and I'm going to use the example you gave in regards to like fertility, do you think that the pressure of say a woman wants to have a baby, but she knows she might be limited up to a certain age, that pressure, I mean, it could be used positively or negatively, but from your experience, do you think one outweighs the other? Of what? Of um. So, all right. So if a woman, and this is why I say it could be used positively because maybe, you know, the woman that wants to get pregnant, she, and I'm a man, so I'm yeah. just using an example here, but maybe that means maybe she should go out more or she's like, all right, you know, like I, I can go meet someone or get on a dating app or whatever. That's a positive way. But a negative way is, you know, maybe it just dampens her mood and it's like, fuck, like I really haven't found my person or, you know, I really want this to happen and it's not happening. Do you feel like it happens more positively or negatively? It's a combination of both. I think, you know, look, it's a conundrum that many women face. You know, it's the biological clock. And, you know, a lot of women at a certain age, they don't want to put pressure on their partner, but at the same time, they don't want to waste any time. And I think that I think that if you are, if you want children and you want a family, you really want children, like that's like a priority for you. Do something about it. Freeze your eggs, get on the dating apps. Don't mess around. Don't wait around on your couch waiting, waiting for you know that wonderful person to enter your life. You, you have to do something about it. But the reality is, is that you know things happen. You know, some women are in these long relationships and you know it doesn't happen with that person. And then they're 40, and then they're, you know, it's it's just this, it's hard to say if it's more positive versus more ne- more negative. It's just it's one of those conundrums that right. women today's face more than ever because we aren't living in a world where the traditional family is as valued as it once was. Agreed. A hundred percent. Now, I know you do a lot of these podcasts. You put question box on Instagram and all of that good stuff. I'm just curious, what do you think is a question you wish more people would ask you? Hmm. It's a good question. You know, I once got this question before and I wish once, and I wish more people would ask, how can I be a better partner? What's the answer to that? Well, there's a general answer. And I think that there's an answer if you're, you know, if you're, if you're in a relationship with a man versus a woman and all of that, you know, I mean, I had someone asked me how I am a man, I'm in a relationship with a woman. How can I be, how can I be better for her and to her? And I said, I just basically gave this answer explaining the ways in which it's very difficult to be a woman with my goal to inspire compassion in him. Because the way that we actually become better partners, of course, I can go down a really long, exhaustive list of all the things that we need to do. But compassion and appreciation are two things that I think are largely overlooked in a list like that. I don't think that we, I think that we take the person that we're with, that we see every day, we, I think we take that person for granted. I know I have. I know I've felt that. And I think that compassion is something that we could all build in ourselves a little bit more, especially for the person. You know, it's easy to be compassionate for a stranger who's struggling, you know, or a child or an animal. But sometimes it's really hard when we're like kind of irritated or feeling, got some resentments built up to be compassionate towards the person that we're in a relationship with. Mm, That's powerful kind of leads me to a question. When people exit relationships where they don't feel appreciated, where it kind of just leaves them jaded, right? And I see that rather often 
you know, and especially with men, like, I mean, we see it with celebrities, people bounce from relationship to relationship. The conference that I'm on, JLo was used as as an example, and I don't want to throw JLo under the bus here, but after (laughs) A-Rod, she was in a relationship two days after, Uh you know, it leads me to ask, you know, how do we know when our heart has been healed and it's ready to start dating again? Yeah, it's a good question. When we're willing to risk getting hurt again. Really? (laughs) I'm smiling. I didn't want to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. When we're willing to, when we're ready, when we feel like, when we're not just fantasizing about the love that we're going to get, but we're also fantasizing about the love we're going to give. How do we heal our heart? Hmm. Many different ways. There's not just one way. Many, many, many different roads to healing. Some do it by being alone. Some do it by being around friends and bonding. Some do it they with a coach. Some do it with a therapist. Some do it with books. Some do it by working out. Some do it with yoga. Some do it with weights. Some people do it with, you know, getting sober if they need to get sober. Some people do it by going on that retreat or going on that vacation or doing meditation or some people heal by volunteering and getting themselves out of their heads. You know, like I think one thing that's really important for healing, not just a broken heart, but healing just trauma in general is go help people, go volunteer, go do something where you are not always the legend of your own story, that you're not always the protagonist, like, because we get self-obsessed very easily in our pain. It's just what we do. And so, and the fastest way, you know, healing happens when we can get out of our head. You know, we have to get out of our heads a little bit. And some people do that by bonding through others. Some people do that by giving to others. So there's lots of different ways to heal our hearts, you know? For sure. Sometimes it's, you know, some people, it's like they need to take a timeout. A lot of people I say, you need to get back in the saddle again. Like, stop. Like, you're not you're not hurting over your ex anymore. You're just terrified of getting hurt again. And you got to get right back in there. It's like with any sort of phobia or any sort of fear, you need to confront it. If it, otherwise it it owns you. How do you tell the difference though? How do you tell the difference if you aren't over your ex versus just being scared of being hurt? I I personally find that difficult. Yeah. It can be really difficult. Well, you definitely know you're over your ex when you think about them and you're like, oh, no interest anymore. <laughs> like, no, no interest anymore. Right. So that's, that's one way to really know that you're just completely over your ex. Another way is you ask yourself, am I nostalgic for what could have been or am I really nostalgic for this person? That's a powerful question. Yeah. That's a powerful question. We grieve the dream sometimes, you know, and I just did a a workshop for people for Valentine's day, for people going through heartbreak. And I, and one of the things that I discussed was that this idea of nostalgia being a manipulator, nostalgia is a master manipulator. It will convince you that what you, that your past is better than where you are now or where you're going. And nostalgia keeps us living in the past. And the thing is, is that our memories of the past are so distorted. So you could be nostalgic for an ex, but your mind is completely omitting all the pain that you had with the ex. All you're doing is just thinking about the love, which brings me back to this idea of taking someone for granted. It's easy to take the person you're in a relationship for granted, but sometimes you have to imagine them leaving you 
them dumping your ass and leaving you and how you would feel. And I think that that's actually a really powerful thing for people to reflect upon. You know, Esther Perel talks about, you know, your partner is, you don't own your partner, they're on loan. And she's known for saying they're on loan. These are her words with an option to renew. And you need to remind yourself often that you can't treat your partner as though they would never leave you because they just might. Right. And how would that feel? That sucks. Yeah. But it wakes people up when you're taking someone for granted. And then, you know, some couples, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, it's not good to spend that much time with your partner. You need some distance too. It's very important. Right. Longing and all of that. But that's a, another conversation. But yeah. For sure. So we, we kind of talked about being jaded in a sense and, you know, taking the time to do what you have to do for yourself before getting back out there, so on and so forth. But what if you are heartbroken? Yeah. And instead of taking the path of healing, making sure you're taking care of yourself, doing what you have to do for, for yourself, but what happens if you're heartbroken and you just jump right back into another relationship? Kind of in a sense where you're just like numb. I don't recommend that because you take yourself wherever you go and you're just going to repeat the same patterns. I, I think after you break up with someone, especially if it's, it was a relationship of significance, you need some time to feel your feelings. You need to process your feelings and you need to reflect on what was your part and what was their part. And I think that there, I advise to have some clear understanding around that and then you're ready. And then once you do that, given the circumstances, given the individual, then you might be ready for another relationship, but not until you do that. Mm, this is so powerful. I kind of want to transition here into the dating space. It's a large space and a lot to- It's a, a lot. big space. Yes. It's that's such true. a big space. Yes. My first question, because I get really excited when this, is, when this happens personally, and I, I think a lot of people do, but, and I actually think I've seen you post something similar mm -hmm. to this recently- but when things are going really great, like, uh -huh. like you're just vibing, the connections there intimately, conversation-wise, physically, emotionally, all of it's just clicking. What's your advice to people that are dating and, and experiencing that to ensure that they're not like just pedal to the floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many people do that. So I think that chemistry is often very unreliable and that if you are someone who wants a real relationship, meaning you're not just looking for a love story or an adventure or a sexual experience. You actually want love and commitment. You better figure out what is most important to you and forget about what you want. Figure out what it is that you really need based on your history, based on your values, all of that, and be unapologetic about that. You have to like, we have to represent ourselves accurately on mm -hmm. dates. So we all know that if you're someone who puts, you know, like goes like zero to 60, zero to a hundred, every time you meet someone, you crash and burn. So, and if you're not wanting, if you're wanting to break that pattern, you better figure out what's most important to you and what you really need and stop choosing people just based on chemistry and start choosing people based on values and other things that are going to be really important for you, such as like, if you want children or not, such as the kind of lifestyle you have, like you might be super attracted to someone who's incredibly outdoorsy because I don't know, you're, you're nerdy and you like to read books and like, 
you're introverted, but there's a part of you that's drawn to that kind of energy of someone who's very extroverted and outdoors and do lots of things. And I would argue it's because they represent something that may be dormant inside of you. You know, I mean, we, we tend to be attracted to that, to something that's very different, but is that really practical for a relationship? Right. If you're not outdoorsy and you don't want to become outdoorsy. Like, how is that going to work? So you got to get real with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, kind of going off of that same question, when, you know, things are clicking and you know you're just you're just moving with it but you throw things out the window such as you know your boundaries which i've done in the past right i i recall one of the last women that i was dating she would give me dates that she was available super last minute and i like to have a plan you know <laughs> i'm that type of person but i would just go with it so i would throw my own maybe that's people pleasing you could tell me what's your advice for those types of people my advice to people who throw their who own throw boundaries about, out. Yeah. yeah don't do it don't do that. As simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, you can, and you can even like, you just use yourself as an example. So you could just even be like flirtatious about it. Like I'm a man with a plan and I like <laughs> to plan. So, you know, no, I get that. I definitely this, get it. I can take you out these dates. You let me know. And right. then don't. that's it. Right. Yeah. I yeah. also think it's a reflection, especially, I mean, in, in situations like that, I think it's a reflection on how people prioritize you. So it is a wake up call in a sense. Oh, absolutely. And who knows? I mean, who knows if she was trying to play hard to get, I mean, I have no idea, but I say have a standard, a non-negotiable standard of zero games. And that means you don't bring any games and you don't tolerate any games. You kind of just beat me to my next question because you meant originally said play hard to get. And the first question that popped in my mind was going to be, do you feel that there is a need for some sort of game playing? And here's why I was going to ask this, because to an extent, from my experience, from my friends' experience that are men, women do love some sort of a mystery. So and do men. I don't love that. You don't love a mystery? No, not at all. I mean, maybe I just got to a certain point in my life where, you know, you, you just want someone that, you know, is, is in it, right? Like, so your guy friends think that women like the mystery? Absolutely. Elaborate, please. And I will tell you. Yeah. So here's the thing from experience. And again, this is from experience. Maybe it's a small sample size. But if a woman feels that you're too all in too quick, they get turned off. Yes. I don't like that. (laughs) Okay. So it's not quite so simple as that. Two ways to look at it. A few ways to look at it. Immature girls are going to get turned off. Immature people are going to get turned off by emotional availability. They want the chase. They're just going to be totally turned off by emotional availability. You know, it's like they're going to want, you know, those girls are going to be like, maybe they date the guys that treat them like crap, all of that. Same with the guy. They want the girl that's playing games with them and playing hard to get because the girl who's actually really there and present for them and wants to be in a relationship, they're not ready for. So that's one thing. So that's immaturity. But there is another thing, which is that there's the guy who's all in, but then there's also the guy that seems ungrounded. Interesting. And I'm not saying that's you at all. I'm saying a mature woman wants a man who is consistent with her, makes her feel important, pursued, and safe and consistent. That is what a mature woman wants, not a girl, a woman. If that same man is in any way seeming like obsessed with her, 
putting her on a pedestal in any way, giving off the, the, the vibe that this is what he does with all the girls. He loses himself. He's ungrounded. He doesn't even know me, but he's just seems a little too obsessed with me. She's going to see right through that shit. I hope it's okay that I curse. She's going to yeah. see right through. Yeah. She's going to see right through that. And she's, that's going to register to her as this guy is not safe. Mm. What makes a woman feel safe? I'm so glad you're asking that. We're speaking very heteronormatively, a woman feeling safe with a man. I'm, I'm just right. saying, you know, but I, I think that women feel, even women who date women would say the same thing. Women want consistency. This is what makes them feel safe. Consistency. And they want to know that they can really be themselves. I think men feel this way too. They want to know, can I be PMSing, for example, and my man or my woman is not going to judge me or leave me or not listen to me. Yeah. And they want what also makes a woman, and not enough people say this, feel safe. They want to feel protected. Physically? Emotionally, physically. It doesn't mean that she can't take care of herself, but she really wants to know that if there, if she's in danger, and when I say danger, I'm not even, I'm not talking about big danger, that too. But if there's anything like my man has my back to walking down the street and there's someone shady walking towards them, that their man is standing, is alert and aware. And she knows that nothing's going to happen because she's with her man. This Mm. is very important to a woman who dates men. It's very, very important. So she wants consistency she wants to feel like when she's in the relationship that she's protected and she wants him to be present with her when she wants to vent a little bit that he's not going or she's not going to be looking down at their phones. Mm, I love this. Yeah. I only have you for a few more minutes. Also, one more thing. Please. This is something this is important just for the for the men in your audience. If you're going to be following a bunch of half-naked women on social media, you are not going to get the super, super mature woman because she's not going to stand for that. Do women look at that? Are they going to go through who a guy follows? Yes, they want, as they should. Really? Absolutely. Because if you meet someone and you want to know, let's just say I have this video. Let's say you have a strong value, which is... Everything that you do on social media when you're in a relationship, it has to be on the up and up. Can't be DMing people. Nothing can be inappropriate. If you're like really, if you're a woman, you're really serious for a relationship. And let's say you date men and you're and you meet a man, and she looks at who you follow, and it's all like women who are half naked. That's a red flag. Mm. She's gonna see that as a big red flag. So, do you think men should also look at the the followers of the potential partner? She can have, of course. It's, yeah. I think there. I think there has to be a conversation. I think everyone. We live in a world talking about how our world now versus back then. Our parents is different. We live in a world of technology and social media. If you are starting a relationship with someone, have that conversation. What are your views on that? Like, who do you like to follow and why? Like, what's your what's do you do you communicate with any of your followers? How do you do that? This is the conversation around boundaries. Absolutely. I love that. I'm going to try and squeeze one more question out of you here, Jill. Sure. But first and foremost, I just want to let everyone know that's listening that your socials, websites, free giveaways, all of that good stuff will be in the show notes of this episode. Do you have anything else going on that we should make people aware of before I ask you one more question? No, just that uh, 
a podcast might be on its way and a book is on its way. So just a lot of fun stuff coming. Well, we're going to have to bring you back to, to promote that yeah. book, but I want to ask you one more question. It doesn't necessarily have to be about relationships, dating, love, whatever comes to mind when I ask you this, but if you live to whatever year you want to live, however old you want to be, you hop on as many podcasts as you want, create as many projects, put out as many posts, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice. What would that one piece of advice be? <laughs> oh God, this is a good one. Give me a second. Take your time. Yeah. You know, every relationship that you have begins with you. Mm. Every relationship with someone else begins with your relationship with yourself. I love that. Every That's single powerful. one. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. This interview was incredible. Thank you for the opportunity to have you in our presence, grace us with your wisdom, your experiences, and all of that stuff, expressing gratitude, a ton of it. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jillian. Right back at you. Thank you so much. You have just tuned into episode number 234 on the Decoding Success podcast with our friend Jillian Tarecki. Now, her work is absolutely incredible. I want to thank Jillian personally for being vulnerable, sharing her personal experiences on top of all of her wisdom, her knowledge, her insights, her education around this specific topic. So shout out to Jillian for that. If you want to connect with Jillian, you could check her out in the show notes of this episode where you can find socials, websites, courses. Be on the lookout for her new book. We're going to have to bring her back on here to make sure that we're amplifying that message. I'm sure it's absolutely incredible as she's in the process of working on it now. But outside of that, I want to urge you once again to make sure you're sharing this episode. It's an absolute blessing to have each and every one of you in our community, but there are people in your life that need to hear this message. So whether you do share that on your Instagram story, whether you share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whether you share it in text messages, wherever, however you share it, you have the ability to bring in more blessings to this community. It's not about our downloads going up. It's about making more of an impact. We have such incredible guests just like Jillian joining us, dedicating their time to impacting you and your life. We could have more impact and you have the ability to help us do that. So I'm urging you to make sure you're sharing this message. Again, make sure you're checking Jillian out in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, everyone, we will see you next Wednesday with episode number 235. Until then, peace.